everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, guys. My name is Clarence Brown, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie, the Who story himself, Kyle Jones. How's it going, dude? Hey, dude. I'm doing pretty good. What about yourself? Uh, Max, and relaxing. You know, cool. chilling. Cool. <laughs> Why did, why did I get this all of a sudden 1990s vibe of Fresh Prince all of a sudden? I don't know. Because he's the man? Maybe so. <laughs> I, yeah, he was at the time. I agree. He's still the man. What are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He did a pretty good rip on his son. So, yeah. Yeah. He's still the man. I'll, I'll give him that. And his wife did a fantastic job on Gotham. So, yeah. Yeah. But after Earth, we'll, we'll give him a pass for that one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And what was it? Blight? What was Oh, uh, Bright. Yeah, the Netflix uh, original movie was well, not that good, in my opinion. It was okay. Maybe, maybe isn't Blight a bad thing? So no, it's, it's Bright, not Blight. I know, but isn't the word Blight, isn't that meant to be uh, a bad thing? I think maybe that so. was a Freudian slip or something. Yeah, well, maybe you know, it was just in your psyche from when you saw the movie, you just couldn't get over it, you know. There you go. Maybe that, so. Maybe that's so. what the name should have been. <laughs> maybe so. Anywho, uh, anyway, um, so if you're new um, to this podcast, you heard that we said discussing Trek. But if you are a faithful listener and have been listening since the first episode, you will know that we are formerly known the as the STD podcast. We have had a name change. We are not now discussing Trek. And the move is to further align our podcast with the rest of our properties being, Cal, do you want to name them? Oh, that might would be discussing who that you and I are on with Lee Shackelford, as well as discussing comics, which you and I pretty much are the only two people on other than we've had some other people join us coming and going. Can't wait to get Lee on that as well. But yeah, discussing who, discussing comics. Yeah, so again, it kind of further aligns uh, our Trek with the rest of the brands that we have under our wing. And, you know, um, STD Podcast. So (laughs) the name needed to be changed, I think. But we we did it because we thought it was funny and we thought people would get the reference. But, you know, we did have a lot of people kind of took the name negatively. And so, you know, get things further in line and and um have a you know a name that we can be a little more proud of i think yeah but you know what i'll i'll have to say i was proud of being a part of regardless of what it was called don't get me wrong i'm so yeah. glad <laughs> you know the name is so cool so you know that we changed um to di- to the discussing however i've had fun and and i think you've had fun but i agree a million percent you know it's it is aligned with what we're doing and it focuses more off of a away from a joke and of the STD name and more aligned and focusing on the trick. So cool things. Certainly. So guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, and this is going to be one of those all things Trek episodes because we're going to discuss the first Star Trek TOS pilot called The Cage. Now, I wish we could have had Andy or maybe John here on with us as well, because, you know, even me and you both are not the biggest TOS um, fans. So this is going to be interesting to dive in and see what our thoughts are on this episode. And I'm sure if you're out there listening, guys, and you are a hardcore TOS fan, please send us in feedback and we will talk about it on the show. Cool. So, guys, uh, if you are hearing this podcast, we are having sort of an initiative this month. We need you to immediately go to YouTube.DiscussingTrek.com where we need you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're trying to bolster our YouTube, YouTube channel. So um, there we're adding videos, unboxings, newsletters, as well as the podcast episodes up on our YouTube channel. So definitely check that out at YouTube.DiscussingTrek.com. Dot com. We appreciate your viewership. So, uh, Kyle, um, I have to let you know, man, I canceled my CBS All Access subscription. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I just couldn't justify paying 10 bucks a month when there's nothing else on there I want to watch. I just couldn't do it. So did you find yourself? Let me ask. Did you find yourself thinking about doing it, putting it off? Or was it I'm going to do it and I did it? 
I really, you know what? If if my card had not run out, because something happened to my card, I don't know what's wrong with Trustmark lately. Uh, seems like every few months their cards get hacked or something, and they have to give you a new card. But that being said, when it ran out and I got a new one, I did not feel the need. <laughs> to go back and renew my subscription. Now, I will say I'm a big uh, Survivor fan as well. So I might renew it when Survivor starts back up, but I just can't justify it right now, man. There's nothing really on there that I'm just hardcore about other than Star Trek Discovery, because you can pretty much watch all the other Star Trek stuff on Netflix right now. See, it's interesting that you said that because... I actually was contemplating, and it's on my to-do list, to cancel it because when I knew we were going to start back and do the original series like we're starting to, you know, talking about it tonight, I assumed that it would be on, you know, um, CBS All Access. So I had not canceled it yet until I think you were the one that told me, oh, uh, that it was, you know, on Netflix. And so that same you know, vein that you just uh, said was why, why, you know, why am I keeping it? So I'm going to cancel it too until, you know, discovery comes back. Yeah. And I caveat, you can only still watch the discovery stuff on the CBS all access. You can't go back and watch the reruns of that on any other platform. So if you're, if you want to go back and rewatch those, you still have to go there, which again, I think I'll eventually jump back on when survivor starts back up. But as of right now, man, I would love to know the numbers, the numbers of people that are canceling their subscription. I bet it's up there. And that begs into the question of did they anticipate this drop off? And I would want to say they would have to have done that, mm. wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they calculate calculated that into their numbers. You would have hoped they've done they would have done that, but still I bet the people are are fleeing, uh, but you may have some people signing up now to, you know, that weren't on board at the beginning of Discovery. They've heard all these great things and they may be jumping back on board or on board for the first time to watch the series. So maybe it, it balances out a bit, but I still think they're shedding numbers pretty rapidly here. <laughs> You know, I think what will happen, and we see this with, you know, other things, other shows that we review, how many people binge watch a series previous season or seasons, you know, plural, when you have, um, whenever you have a new season about to start, do you see, you know, people binging to find out or remember or catch back up on what was happening prior? So within the month or two before Star Trek Discovery comes back, I can see that prep work or those people going back and watching, you know, boosting their numbers again. Yeah, I truly think that you're definitely right. So, so, you know, they may be all right. Again, hopefully they calculated this into their projections. So we'll see. We'll see. We, we hope it survives because I want to see more Trek on, uh, uh, more discovery on CBS All Access and, and elsewhere. <laughs> so a bit of news, a bit of sad news. Uh, Stephen Hawking actually passed away this past week. Yeah, this past week he passed away. Uh, of course, uh, he's known for his groundbreaking work on singularities, black hole mechanics, but he also was on a few, well, he's on one episode of Star Trek, the next generation. He was on the episode entitled Descent. Uh, I think the story goes he visited the set, uh, randomly one time. He wanted to sit in Picard's chair and he reached out and said if there was any way they could write him into the show, um, he would be more than willing to actually be on an episode. And uh, I think they say he's, if I'm reading this correctly, he's the only person who's played himself on any episode of Star Trek. Interesting. Yeah. So he played himself on the holodeck when there, there was a meeting of the minds, so to speak, where Data was playing poker with the geniuses of past times. And he was one of the, the people at the poker table. So really cool. Really cool. Really, really cool. And, you know, considering the fact that he appeared on Star Trek, which was set in the future, in real life, um, he actually set up a party and and actually supposedly sent out invitations for 
time travelers. It was a party hosted for time <laughs> travelers. I'm not joking. And the party said, or the invite said, you are cordially invited to a reception for time travelers hosted by Professor Stephen Hawking, the invite says, to be held in the past at the University of Cambridge, Gonville, and Caius College, Trinity Street, Cambridge. It also added the latitude and longitude and the date of June the 28th, 2009, and the very necessary disclaimer, no RSVP required. (laughs) And and just, just let me continue just a little further. Of course, just because no one came doesn't mean that time travel doesn't exist. Um, there was a blog that came up with a few possible reasons why the party took place on a different reality and a different timeline. <laughs> the invitations didn't survive long enough for anyone to see. And then um, time travelers don't control their own time traveling or most ominously Hawkins killed them all to preserve the time space continuum. Oh, okay. <laughs> However you can make it work. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but that's pretty cool. Something is just, you know, uh, if it were possible, you know, you can you can have those excuses to justify why, you know, people didn't come to the past to (laughs) to have his party. Uh, Pretty, pretty cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. And, And it just goes in another way of showing how brilliant this person was. Yes, yes. Of course, being Doctor Who fans and you being the historian himself, uh, we see a lot of stories of where things are put into motion in the at a certain point and somebody from the future comes to answer that call or whatever. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, certainly, certainly some pretty cool stuff. I wonder was, Haw- was Hawkins a Who fan. Do we know that? I don't know, but I would consider someone with his esteem would have to be, would he not? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else would be uncivilized. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh boy. So I guess we're ready to get into the actual pilot or the first pilot. The Cage is the first pilot episode of Star Trek. It was completed in 1965 uh, and was not broadcast on television until 1988. The episode, of course, written by Gene Roddenberry, and it was rejected by CBS. Yes, this episode was rejected by CBS being the first pilot of two. Uh, another note, much, much of this original footage from the cage was later incorporated into an episode, a two part called Menagerie. And also, um, another cool thing to note, uh, CB, NBC reportedly called the pilot too cerebral and too intellectual and too slow. Not enough action. Uh, rather than rejecting the series outright, they called for a second pilot. Oh, man. So what do you know about the storied history of of the Star Trek pilots? Have you heard so, much about that? Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting going back and watching this. Let me say this is the first time paying attention. And I put emphasis on paying attention (laughs) to uh, uh, the original Star Trek episode. You know, I've seen them on TV and I actually remember when it was aired in 88 because I was a big, you know, uh, next generation fan when it first started coming on. I mean, even as I say that I'm picturing in my head watching it where I was watching it, you know, in my bedroom and all. But but, um, I remember when this aired for the first time, but it didn't really have any consequence to me. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say this. I really thought it was cool that Lucille Ball had a hand in getting this made because it was the company that she and her husband formed to do the I Love Lucy show originally, Desi Lou, that actually helped um, was the production company for uh, Star Trek, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. They were the original production company and somewhere down the line, NBC, I'm sorry, Paramount bought them. So, which is just, just really cool that it started as a Lucille Ball thing. And she was one of the big proponents around pushing this, uh, this show. And I think she even overruled the board on getting it, getting the pilot made because they knew it would be so expensive. But then again, she was Lucille Ball. Yeah, so. yeah. And think of the gravity of who she was for that time. Uh, you know, I, I just try to think of other superstars that we have now. She was the creme de la creme, so to speak, right. uh, of the 60s and earlier. Uh, she had definitely earned her stripes. So she had a lot of power. 
Correct. And the simple fact that, that you know, you you look at this and you you see when it started. I I was really shocked. And, and again, no no disrespect to any original series because I'm actually now actually excited to get into watching this because it kept my attention. And I promise you, I did not think it would. And I actually didn't find myself, you know, wandering off and doing something else. I was, you know, paying attention the whole time I watched it. Yeah. And when we, you know, look at the details of this episode, you know, it very much mirrors a lot of the things we see in who, and uh, we went back and watched uh, the first, the, the who pilot. Yep. Was, it, was was a commissioned or a pilot? It may have been commissioned and, already. No, um, you're talking about the unearthed the yeah, unearthed child. child. Yeah, yeah. It was actually, and interestingly enough, another parallel between Who and Star Trek. How this was, the, you know, the first pilot, and it got, um, you know, there was another pilot with a different story. The original cut of an unearthly child. They redid the scenes because they thought Hartnell was a little bit too uh, stern, and they, That's you know, re- right. I remember re- now. Yeah. You know, re-aired it or you know, recut it. So there's yeah. the original version and the and the broadcast version. So interesting. Yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. So I mean, first thing I noticed upon you know viewing this 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 pilot is that, like I said, the icon- iconic things you see. And the first thing I noticed that really threw me off was the Star Trek font in the intro. It was not it was not that iconic font, which just felt yes. really weird. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, the blue and the that was actually my first note that I put down was logo not the same. Exactly what it says, logo not the same. Yeah, and and it's funny how a font. You know, you're the font guy. You're the graphics guy on our team. So it's it's really crazy how a font can evoke a feeling, you know, a, a, a broad representation of this property that even when that's off, it just feels kind of wrong. So let me ask you, and I think you may have just answered my question in what you just said. What did you feel when you saw that? I just felt like, you know, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you know, you get past it pretty quickly, but you know, you definitely have that feeling of something's off kilter. And then, like I just said, it goes into this being the foundation for most of the things we see afterwards. And spoilers, if we haven't said that, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. But it just goes to show how a lot of the things that we see, you know, years and years and years from now, uh, definitely had their beginnings in, in this episode. So that the fun, I'm definitely glad they changed it. And not only the fun, when you look at the intro, also, um, how we, how we saw the ship. Did we see the ship in the intro? Yes, we did see the ship in the intro. Yes, how we did. See the ship and the music, the mute, the iconic music was still there. So even though the font was a little weird, we did get the iconic mu- music and that definitely, uh, put me right back in the mood. Yeah, it did. And, you know, I know we'll get into the characters in, in, in a moment, but I just, I felt more mirror universe watching this than I felt watching mirror because it was just like something was just off. Yeah. But I couldn't couldn't just put my finger on what was off, but just something was off. It's just like you're seeing the idea being created. Yes, exactly. So I want to ask you. At the at the end of the intro, we see this pan into the top of the ship and directly into the bridge. Does that remind you of anything we saw off Discovery? Yes, but yes, but I'm trying to remember where I saw it on Discovery. And let me tell you why it's hard to pinpoint, because what stuck in my mind was how, well, no, there's no better word than say 
poorly done, but maybe greatly done at the time. <laughs> it's that, the 60s. Uh, it's the 60s, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, that editing was done around that you know little saucer thing that yeah. we were looking into. But, but where, tell me, where did we see that uh, on it, Discovery? It, it, it seemed like it definitely happened once into Discovery, but the one I'm thinking about the most is when we're in the Mirror Universe and and Burnham sits aboard the throne, the, uh, I said throne, <laughs> sits aboard the, the, the captain's chair for the first time, and it kind of pans out from the ship and and under the saucer so it, uh, it, yes it really kind of gave me that same feeling of you know panning into the bridge but but of course we get into the actual bridge and man it looks pretty much like the bridge we know from tos but a few things again like we said before are off the colors the colors <laughs> what happened to my colors and that's what i'm saying i felt like it was in color but yet black and white because everything was Gray. Yeah, gray, muted. Um, you know, things are just a bit off from what they are in the show proper. Uh, seems like there were less glowy lights. Just a lot of things, you know, you can tell, like, again, the ideas are moving in the right direction. But, you know, this is the inception of those ideas. So let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Do you think that could have been for budgetary reasons? Uh, I think so. But, I mean, again, then again, you know... The only thing they really added was red paint. So, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm talking about as as in their, you know, different, you know, the the green, you know, uh, what what was the Star Trek joke? If you wear red and you go on an away mission, bye, you, yeah. you get killed. Yeah, you know, every everybody having on those gray jackets are different, and even the jackets were not, uh, you know. Uh, you know, they weren't uniform. Everybody seemed to have a different version. Yeah, well, you, well, you definitely see where when you get into the show proper, the uniforms as well as the bridge, they get way more polished. I mean, like like you just said, early on, it looks like sweaters. Sweaters, sweaters with a cum badge on it. <laughs> true, true. And, and, and then the, the jackets were really weird as well, which I still like the the simpleness of them, I guess I could say. Uh, okay. Simple, but I still thought they worked. I could see those, you know, being the, the uniforms, actually. I don't think they were that bad. I want to cosplay in that uniform. <laughs> well, I have a curious, uh, curious, curious thing that we might see, because didn't they say that that was Christopher Pike that we saw spoilers yeah. at the end? So I'm wondering if yeah. they will go that same gray, you know, uh, or they'll do something different. Well, you know what? Um the book, uh, I think it's either Desperate Hours or Drastic Measures. I can't remember which one, but one of them goes into the past and you actually see Spock and uh, and Pike and the crew. So um, I think it's described in that book. I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, so I will definitely report <laughs> on what they are supposed to look like once I get, you know, get to that point in the book. All right. So when you finish the book, if you don't mind, I would love to read it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, dude. Definitely. You are welcome. <laughs> Cobain's. So, I mean, just the bridge design. I want to just talk a bit about the bridge design over the years. So let's go for it. Mr. Jones, I have to ask you, what is your favorite, favorite bridge design from any ship, I any show? As much as I love Voyager, and I do love Voyager, I will have to say Discovery. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really? I mean, honestly, it definitely looks the best. Of course, you know, we're in 2018, 2017 when it was made. It's going to look better. But I don't know, man. I think I like the little ship that could. I'm going to say the Defiant is my favorite. And I'm going to say the Delta Flyer is my second favorite, which the Delta Flyer really, really isn't bridge. You know, it's a shuttle. But. I love the I love the the mechanical uh, knobs and twists and things that Tom Paris put in the Delta Flyer. So that's special to me. So, <laughs> OK, all right. I could I could go with that. There's I, I don't know. I think it's just something about that big open like view that they had that they're that you, that you don't feel you know, like you can you can literally feel like you can walk up to the glass and put your hand on it and look at where you're going as you're going. That just to me, the visual of that just just is really fantastic. Yes. Yes, certainly. Certainly. Uh, open wide spaces on Discovery, <laughs> which I really like. So, man, uh, we immediately see that the crew is vastly different from what we see on the show proper. Uh, even Spock is a bit different. 
So what do we think of the initial look of Spock along with Nimoy's original portrayal of the character? Interesting, but because, you know, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. These characters, as we know them, aren't formed yet. You know, there's there is no idea of what a Vulcan is supposed to act like. So yeah. I, f- I found and I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead, but I found it interesting how they took aspects of another character and no pun intended, but I'm going there, melded the two aspects with Spock's character and this character to have Spock as he was going forward. Okay, now you got me thinking, what was the other character? Number one. Um, see, I I don't know if Huh. See, we're gonna get into number one. Uh but I don't I don't feel like they melded those two personalities. I'm not sure why she was so stoic. I'm not quite sure. Um yeah, yeah, I have to think about that a bit. <laughs> but but certainly Spock as we see in this pilot is vastly, vastly different. You know, emotional, no bowl cut. Um just you know, it, it seems like when he got the script and they said you are an alien, he was trying to fill it out on what an alien was. Right. And, and you, you definitely see him trying to create this character again, like you said, before we get the logic filled Spock that we see in, in the regular show. So, I mean, I, it was definitely weird seeing him be the, the character that he was in his pilot. Vastly different, vastly different. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad he changed them. <laughs> and, and it's a testament to him that he, of all the others, except for, um, and I'm going to pronounce her name incorrectly, M- Magil Barrett, um, who, you know, of course, we know who she went on to become. But other than the two of them, they were the only ones that were remaining once the, you know, second pilot was shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, of course, it will move on from Spock. You know, of course, we know Leonard Nimoy. He's, he's you know, Star Trek legend, uh, basically. But uh, Major Barrett and uh, G- the wife of Gene Roddenberry, um, she definitely goes on to play other roles. She plays Nurse Chapel in Tillwis, as well as Xana Troy in TNG and DS9. You know what? When I first saw her, I guess I had known this already, but man, she is so different in, in DS9 and, and uh, TNG. It's almost seems like it's not the same person. I know. And, and you know, uh, and on top of that, she's the voice of the computer. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She's the voice of the computer. So, I mean, even, you know, even outside of, you know, her being, you know, Deanna Troy's mother and being this character, which I hadn't I knew she was in the pilot, but again, not being familiar with the original series, I didn't know that she had a role in the original series as well. So yeah, I think yeah, I think that was a one off role, I wanna say, but I could be wrong. Somebody correct me, send an email. Uh but but certainly, you know, one of the things I found sad about <laughs> watching this episode is I mean it's not funny, I laugh, but What's sad about this episode is that most of these people are gone, man. They're, they're, they've passed away. Uh, Barrett passed away in 2000, 2008. And of course, Nimoy in 2015. It's just weird seeing these people that, you know, are somewhat legends, but they've gone on. Uh, and, and I certainly don't watch a lot of older, uh, television, but it, it felt very much the same way when we watched the, the Doctor Who pilot. You know, you seeing these people that, you know, most of them are not around anymore. Correct. Correct. And let me ask you this. What did you think of Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Christopher Pike? Oh, yeah. You asked me for that. <laughs> actually, okay. And then, yeah, there, there's uh, Captain Pike, the first captain that we know of in all of Star Trek. Um, you know, I re- he embodied a lot of things that we see in the captains going forward. Uh, one of the things I, I guess I didn't really have a problem with, but we see where he is, you know, troubled. He had this this event that happened where a lot of his uh crew, uh, his yeoman, 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 yeoman. Yeah, yeoman, I believe. <laughs> yeoman got killed as long with some more people from his crew. A lot of people got injured and he is just in the dumps about being a Starfleet captain. And, you know, this this definitely mirrors or uh, I guess 
Star Trek Beyond mirrors what happened here because we see in Beyond in the Kelvin Universe movies where Kirk is sort of in the same place. Um, but, but by that same point, I feel like his, him being tired and being wanting to move on is a bit more justified than Kirk is in Star Trek Beyond. Uh, uh, I think Kirk's excuse is that he's tired and that this is his father dream, dream and not his own. So I, I definitely feel Pike's pain. And, you know, I, I like, I like how they actually play it out. I mean, you know, I don't think you will see most doctors coming in and offering, uh, <laughs> and offering the captain a drink because he's in, in, in the gutter a bit. I thought, I found that really weird. Yeah. But you know what? I also found it. You know, I don't want to say refreshing, but interesting. Maybe that's a better word that you had the doc come in and play both the bartender as well as playing the doctor simply to say, look, you know, people tend to open up to two people either, you know, you know, over a drink or over, you know, seeing their doctor. Well, I'm going to be both. And here I'm here I am. Yeah. So I, I really thought that that was an interesting spin, especially considering the fact this is the 1960s. And one of the reasons that CBS passed on this was they had already committed to a very family friendly, very campy lost in space. Oh, really? <laughs> that is very interesting. But just again, a few more notes on Hunter. Uh, Hunter actually died prior to, I think he was 42 at the time of the pilot, but he died before the, the last episode of, of the original series aired and was somewhat of a freak accident. I think he hit his head while he was on set. Uh, I think they were shooting a, a action scene and the window was broken and he got a sustained a concussion from that. And wow. He kind of okay. died rather mysteriously and leads the guy to actually question on this because he's a big Jeffrey Hunter fan. Um, so we, we definitely need to ping this, uh, ping him on this, but absolutely, but, but yeah, he died somewhat of a mysterious death. And of course we did not see him in the show proper. That role went to, uh, William Shatner. So I, I, go ahead. I know. I was just saying, you know, obviously Things would have been different had he opted, you know, to shoot that second pilot and, you know, not, uh, you know, back out because he he backed out himself. He he wasn't fired or anything like that. He backed out himself. But it would have been interesting to have seen what would have happened in the Star Trek franchise if he had not, you know, declined and he had been Spock. I mean, excuse me. He had been the captain. And it did, let's say it ended after three seasons. What would they have done when that cult following happened and they decided to do a movie? Who would have been the captain then? How would they have, you know, what would have happened and what would Star Trek be like today if William Shatner hadn't have been involved? Well, presumably he wouldn't have died because he wouldn't have been on that set shooting. Point taken. Point Very good (laughs) point taken. Um, but, but I mean, again, you mentioned him leaving or not continuing, uh, or opting out, uh, reasons range from, uh, money to his wife saying that he's a movie star and he's not going to do this show. So, I mean, there's, I think you can read up on it. There's a lot of different reasons on why people think he did not continue, but, uh, you know, I loved him. I loved him as a captain. He definitely sets the tone going forward. And I really, really, really love this guy. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed him. So, yeah, agreed. So uh, is there anything that you want to point out in far as far as the look and feel of the pilot before we get into plot details? Uh, the biggest thing that I would say from the look and feel was it it just seemed even though it was the 60s and it felt the 60s, it it just and and this may be some of the story here. It just seemed like there were hints of what we would see from Star Trek to come. And I, I, I'm, I'm probably not explaining that well, no, but it just either. seemed like there were, you know, some of the some of the things that, you know, from the from the technology to what a lot of that groundwork was yeah. there. The only thing I did not like as far as visuals go was when they were um, evidently going, I guess, at warp yes. speed. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know where I'm going with that. <laughs> yes. And it's like they're standing there and they're, 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 it's blurring past them. And I'm like, okay, this is just not doing it for yeah, me. I mean, I mean, obviously they haven't, they hadn't flushed out that idea of what they wanted it to be. Uh, but true, but, 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 but definitely the montage instead of actually showing them going to warp was a little weird, but, but, you know, they did have the concept of warp, you know, yes, which, they did. which I thought was really good. So, yeah, I think, you know, to piggyback off you, to point out the weirdest thing of the episode was the warp moment or the warp montage, as I call it. <laughs> it was really weird, really weird. And, yep, and agreed. And just to go back and, and point out the, uh, the the statement from Dr. Bryce, his actual words. Sometimes a man will tell his bartender things he'd never tell his doctor. Yes. I love that yep. statement. So yep. freaking agreed. Good. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So I guess we'll move right along. Um, so I want to talk about some of the progressive things in the pilot. Okay. Uh, we, we, we have the concept of number one, uh, and, and we have a female number one, you know, and also we have the, the new yeoman and, <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that felt weird to me about this, and, and, and this is not just a pilot thing. This is a Star Trek, uh, TOS thing in general. As much as progressive they were, were in this pilot, seems like they take two steps back on some things. Did Agreed. You, did you get that feeling as well? Yeah, because one of my, uh, notes that I made is right up that same alley. And it says, when he says to the yeoman, I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. And then he returns and then he turns to number one and says, no offense, Lieutenant, you are different, of course. Yeah. I'm like, is she not a woman? Like, what? yeah, exactly. <laughs> does he, does he not think she's pretty? I, I really was kind of confused on that point. <laughs> so I have a question, if you don't mind. And it's right in that category. Yeah. I don't sir. remember yeoman as part of the, um, Next generation or anything past original. Yeah. What exactly was the yeoman position? Oh, I've never heard of it before <laughs> until this. I'm figuring it. I, I wouldn't say it, it was ensign, but it doesn't even sound like instant ensign. It sounds like more like the captain's assistant is what it Our sounds cadet like. or something. Maybe I don't know. Uh, okay, let, let me see. I'm looking it up real quick. I'm, the power of Google. A servant in a royal or noble household, ranking between a sergeant and a groom, or a squire and or a page. So yeah, mm. a petty officer in a U.S. Navy Navy or Coast Guard performing clerical duties on board the ship. So She's, yeah, yeah, like, like okay. A secretary. The, yeah, you know, yeah. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's like when he speaks to her, it's very almost condescending. And it makes me go back to when, you know, I don't mean to tie back into Doctor Who again, but when we were talking about, you know, how they portrayed the first Doctor this past Christmas as being, you know, the man of the 60s, so to speak. Yeah. I kept being reminded of some of the things that the captain said here. And I'm like, that's just in line with what they were in the 60s. It's a, I think it's a product of the time. Really, you're right. You know, again, like. As much as we are progressive, we see this uh, Major Barrett taking, you know, I don't think she's ever named. She's called number one. We see where she is the second, the first officer on the ship. And we see where, you know, when the captain leaves, she's basically in charge. You know, we see the first acting female captain in this pilot. And for for much as we see that, it seems like it is all negated when we look at the point where the yeoman is not taken seriously. And I think it's mostly because she's playing like the beautiful woman role. So just really weird. <laughs> All right. So I have a question for you and I know for the scope of this story, he has to go, uh, you know, this is the sixties. So he literally has to be the one to go down to the planet. Yeah. So I get that. But my logic says to me that if you're going away on a mission to a, you know, unknown planet, regardless of what you think it might be, it makes more sense that number one would go down, not the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the Kirk era was definitely a time where the captain went down and took charge. It never made any sense to me either, but I think it was just something of the time. 
and another thing I noticed um, talking about the the progressiveness of this. Did you see any black people? <laughs> no, I noticed that, and you didn't see you didn't I, see anything else other than Caucasian. Yes, I thought of okay. I'm glad you noticed it too. <laughs> no, I noticed it because you know no no um, colors of the rainbow I should say were represented other than you know Caucasian. <laughs> and it could be because this is just the pilot, and they weren't able to get people. I, I have to watch the second pilot. I haven't went back and watched it yet. But certainly, 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 uh, they get it right by the time the show starts. The real show starts. They get it right on almost every level. And I'm just, you know, again, for the things we see that were semi-wrong in this, they get right going forward. So maybe not the, on maybe not on the women part, because I think women are greatly objectified in, 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 in TOS. Uh, I think so too. Again, just something of its time, I think. But, but yeah, the Kirk, Kirk is like the inter- intergalactic James Bond. He's a player. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, it was when we were reviewing this particular series, the original series, when we should have been calling ourselves STD, a Star Trek uh, original <laughs> series podcast, maybe. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. yeah, but but you're right. Uh, you know, they did, you know, uh, alter course, correct ship. I would be curious to know or have heard or read about those conversations. And I know we we'll probably never be privy to those, but, you know, what was the thinking going from pilot one to pilot two and saying, okay, these things are what needs to be changed? That would be interesting to know. Yeah, well, again, like when uh, I I briefly mentioned it up top, but things in the episode that felt too cerebral to, um, I guess for the time, maybe it was a too an episode where you had to think a little bit too much. They said it was too too intellectual, too slow, which I can see them saying it's slow. But you know, I've seen this twice in the last two weeks, and I really, I really love this episode. <laughs> Interesting because you are not my friend, one who watches things like me over and over and over again. What? So the fact that you've watched it twice and I'm. In two or two week span impresses me. Yeah, I mean, well, originally I was just going back to because I was going to start from the beginning with TOS, and this is what I watched first, and then I was like, okay, guys, we need to review this because it's awesome. And you know, I mean, it it's a good episode. I I had to come back to it. You know, it's just it's. I think it's required watching for any Star Trek fan. So on that same brain path, or or that same thought right there. Do you think that you enjoyed it regardless of how they said it was cerebral because of what we watch today is more? Yes. Yes. Because that's what, that's what I thought. Yeah. Those sentimentalities are more in the vein of what I personally like. I mean, again, we keep going back to Doctor Who or even Outer Limits for that, that matter. And we, we do learn that Gene Roddenberry is a bit huge fan of Outer Limits and even went on the set many times and also a lot of the props in his episode came from the outer outer limit props so Mm, interesting all of that being said i love outer limits uh not so much a twilight zone fan but any of the well i was more of a fan of the post the the 90s and post 90s uh outer limits i love outer limits i love it and this felt very much in that vein. And like, you know, even when we go back to Doctor Who, I love all the episodes that make you think that, you know, have a certain spin on time, even, even Star Trek, the time episodes or any, any episodes that really make you think and come to this conclusion that is really profound by the end. I'm all on board. And to me, this was, this was definitely one of those episodes. Okay. So it's funny that you said time because one thing that I wrote down in my notes was, when they traveled, they didn't say they were going at warp speed. One of the people, I'm not sure you know, which cast member it was, but they made reference to the time barrier is broken as they – I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yes, and because I took it down. I was like, okay, they're traveling. So my thought was, was their original intent was they travel so fast that they travel through time. 
I don't know. I need to go back and catch that. I did not catch that particular moment. It, I, it's I definitely it's in the first part of it, I think. And it may be when they are doing that scene the that montage, we were talking about earlier. Yeah. The warp montage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and just to, to go into, you know, again, talk about the concepts. There's stuff in here like the communicators, which I think are different in this one. But still, the communicators, the transporters, warp or whatever they called it in this episode, they definitely had the foundation. And then when we go back and to start talking about how sex is portrayed, we talked about, you know, uh, how, how uh, Kirk treats his women. <laughs> and we definitely see where I think even though Pike seems to be th- allured by that or tempted by that, he definitely stands his ground, which much respect to Captain Pike. Much respect. Right. And, and exactly. We, we see where this woman who, you know, part of the distress call, she was a baby when the ship crashed on, on Telos. And she, her name is Vina. And sex is definitely part of her portrayal as a character in, in this episode. What do we, what do we think of how sex is played with her in this actual episode? Okay. Well, considering the fact that this was the first man that she had ever seen yeah (laughs) literally for the most part so you know i could see that how she would be um immediately smitten for lack of a better word um so i can get that i i thought that that was very unexpected because i i felt it was probably going to be a little bit more generic and it brought me home to think about some of the things that we've said being shocked, quote unquote, at yeah. some of the things on Discovery. Yeah. And oh, yeah. even the even the people who have said, oh, well, there's too much sex and, you know, Discovery. And I, I wanted to, like, scream. It started with sex. Oh, my God. The Orion dance was so awesome. <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying? It, it yeah. started this whole series. It started with a story about, yes. if you boil it down to sex. And then, then you fast forward. Well, nah, that's a little. Okay. Yeah. If you want to get to the core of it, the Telosians are trying to repopulate their planets with slaves, uh, mainly finding uh, Vina a, com- a companion to start the repopulation process. So, yeah. Because <laughs> they weren't trying to extract anything from him they, he was to be a willing participant therefore yeah 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 i mean so many things you know i talked about they're not being a a and well let me just say before we get into that the telosians have mind control not really mind control but mind perception or i'm not, not sure the right word for it i would say illusion um Thank they you. remind me of the mutant uh mastermind who um who was the a mutant who made the gene go crazy at one point. And ah. he had the power of illusion and, and his illusions were so real that you could not determine reality from, you know, illusion. And that's in a way partly, I mean, they have other things that they can do with the, you know, brain blast or whatever and the telepathy, but their illusions reminded me of that. So definitely these Telosians illusion masters and they're trying to co- coerce, uh, Mr. Pike, Captain Pike into doing their bidding to repopulate the planet because, <laughs> which just a, a great piece of irony. Their planet has been decimated because they focused too much on their mental powers and didn't do the other stuff that's required to be a, a sustaining race, which I thought was really great. Really, really great. And uh, also a tidbit about this episode. All the Telosians were play, played by women with male voiceovers. With Did you notice that? Did you know that from looking at them? Or, I, or did you? I, I had the wiki that one. I did not know it. I know if the, they were men, they had to be really small men. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that, too. I mean, I noticed what you just said, but it was reading about it, too. I didn't notice it, um, you know, just from watching it. Yeah. And like another cool thing about this is how the illusions were were broken by Captain Pike. And to me, the whole notion of these primal urges, these primal feelings that were the thing or the catalyst to actually gaining control. I just thought that was really, really well done. And 
And oh, I just love, I mean, I think the most brilliant, the most brilliant part of this episode is when they beam, uh, number one and the, the, the yeoman, I cannot remember her name, but when they beam them down and they have the illusion on the phasers and Pike was smart enough, he was smart enough to know that the phasers still worked. At that moment, I like, I was, I was smitten. I was like, I love this story. So good. So good. Did you see that coming? You know, I kind of figured that out when he was watching that door and he was looking at the uh, phasers and I was like, okay, why is he wanting? And then it was like, oh, yeah. So I think I got it at about the same time you did, especially then when 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 they go to get the phasers and he jumps and grabs the guy. Yeah. Oh, man. Captain Pike will ever have my gratitude for that, because <laughs> that is just an awesome moment in Star Trek to me. So what do we think about as we move on to, the, I guess, the the final act of this episode? And we see where the 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 humans or the way crew just refuse, refuse. They rather kill themselves than be part of this slave race for the Telosians. And then we see where the Telosians know that they can't control them. Do we think there's a greater message in that? This is the 60s. Yeah, I think so. And if you look at when this was coming out as, you know, right after the civil rights movement, I think because because. All right. Well, let me back up for a second. You know, a a lot of people when they're reading history think, okay, well, civil rights movement ended in, you know, 1964, 1965, whichever year it was. And then, you know, you have the Civil Rights Act and blah, blah. That didn't just because you signed that act. I mean, we're in 2018 and we're still seeing stuff. So I, I definitely believe that this was a, you know, social commentary on um, Roddenberry's part and kudos for him for making something that probably a lot of white executives would not have liked seeing a story about. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that if all we know, that's the reason that it get, did get picked up. <laughs> Maybe so. But, you know, I mean, I think just to do an overview of the whole episode, I think the only thing I could change if I could change one thing is have more diversity in the cast. It doesn't have to be black people. It can be right. right. It can be any race, you know, just just have a bit more diversity. It doesn't have to be a different race. It can be Europeans, you know, just have a bit more diversity in the cast. I think that would have made this. An almost perfect pilot. I just really loved it, man. What are your like final overall thoughts of the episode? Well, there's something that I'm really glad that you did not bring up. Because, I think I know what you're talking about, but I want to bring it up. But I, I, I'll let you say what. Okay, it is. all right. So you, I, I, I'm curious now. So you go ahead and tell me what you think I'm going to bring up. And then I will tell you if you're right or wrong. Well, it's definitely a Doctor Who reference. So, okay, keep so, going. So, so you're you're going to talk about, and I totally agree with you. There are certainly parallels, and you should go watch our latest episode of uh, discussing Who, where we talk about the episode "The Doctor Dances," which is in the first series of the reboot, and <laughs> and there are definitely clear parallels here of how Vina is can't be put together right. You know, the the Telosians don't have any examples, although they do have dead humans there where they should have got something from that. But they say that they don't have a pure example of what a female woman should be. She said, and I quote, when referencing, uh, she says um, they had never seen a human and had no guide to putting me back together. Yeah. And certainly in in, uh, the Dr. Dances, Jamie. I think that's his name. The son, yeah, the little boy. Yeah. Uh, uh, spoilers. The, the Mommy. Nancy's kid um, can't be put the put back together correctly after dying from the bombing. And they just, you know, do with b- their best guess. And now, who the, was Nancy? Nancy was the girl. Yeah. But who was she to uh, the little boy, Jamie? Mother. I thought she was mommy. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, we will have we will not have uh, this is my mommy on this podcast. <laughs> Are you my mommy? Oh God! Um, yeah, but 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 yeah. Whenever whenever they said that, and the and the only thing I would add to that is we had seen throughout these two stories the empty child and the doctor dances that we had seen so many references 
to uh, Star Trek. Yes. They had even called yes. the doctor Spock. And then yes. when I see her say this, I'm like, uh, you know, so, there so, yet again. So do, you, do we think our esteemed writer over there on, on Doctor Who uh, actually pulled that from this story? Oh, yeah, I believe Stephen Moffat absolutely did. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Moffat. Yes. Which is funny because he wasn't a Star Trek fan. Supposedly, no, and, and yeah, and that's just so, I mean, there's too much of a coincidence. I mean, if it was not too much of a coincidence. Great artist still. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I do have one final thing in addition to that that I want to ask you. Yeah, what you got, man? So, you know, they, they make reference. We've always made reference and maybe this is just a frame of reference or a frame of mind on my, my part. But we've always talked about how Star Wars has predicted the future, meaning how, you know, we've got the, uh, video phones now and we've got the communicators and the medical stuff. Is it so much that Star Trek predicted? Or is it instead, and, and again, it may be just the way I've looked at it, that Star Trek influenced the future? Um, definitely influenced in some cases. You could, you, you could kind of say that they predicted some stuff. Now, I guess you have to go back and say, were they the first people who thought of these ideas? You know, when you think of things like warp and transporters, I don't think warp, I think the concept of warp, maybe not called warp, but may have been in something else prior. Uh, even I don't transporter seems pretty original, but I don't know because I didn't I'm not familiar with media of that time. So maybe even transporters came mm-hmm. was in some other book or something of that time. Yeah, but I'm like referring to like things that we actually physically have today. Well, I mean, I think I think the clearest example we can look at is, is something like the iPad. Which, true, 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 which, true. Which, you know, if you look at TNG or even even um, TOS in some instances, I believe I'm not quite sure on that, but but it, it's definitely a Star Trek thing. Now, again, I'll go back and say, were they the first people to introduce us to these concepts? I'm not sure, uh, but but we are some of the concepts, as you put it, rather than the how did you say it? the ideas versus the is it that they predicted it or did they you know. Where did they predict the future or did they impact the future? Yes. Well, I'll definitely say on a lot of cases, they influence the future. It's yeah, I, I agree, too. I, and that, yeah. that's where I'm leaning to now is that they because even if you didn't watch Star Trek, some of these things from Star Trek influenced other things in pop culture that people are exposed to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see more of that as we, I don't know what we're going to do next. Maybe we'll do more uh, TOS. I'm almost tempted to say, let's do the second pilot and then let's do the first arc of every series. I haven't decided completely yet, but I think that could be fun looking at the first commissioned episode of each of the series. Ah, I kind of like that. That might be interesting. Uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, just again, to round it out, I really, really enjoyed this episode. And I definitely say if you are into Star Trek, you need to watch this one. Final thoughts? I think, Captain, that you have set us with a good I'm the impossible host, sir. No, well, okay, well, impossible <laughs> host. Uh, I will say that regardless, if we continue with uh, the original series or if we go to the first arc of each um, you know, story – I'm on board. I mean, because this one kept my attention and I did not expect it to. So I think that's the biggest compliment I could give this episode. So, guys, in line with the name change, again, you can find us at DiscussingTrek.com. Please send in fan mail to fans at DiscussingTrek.com, as well as Discussing Trek on all of the major outlets. So, Kyle, man, what have you been up to and what do you want to plug here in our closing uh, statements? All right. Well, you know, you and I uh, are on the other shows that we mentioned at the beginning. But the only thing that I would mention in closing is uh, you and I can also be found as well on YouTube at YouTube.DiscussingWho.com. Awesome. And I'm going to say once again, go listen to our Dr. Dances, the Dr. Dances episode, because there are certainly many Trek references and parallels. So uh, excellent episode. Uh, watch the episode and then check out our review. 
And I think that's all, guys. So uh, thank you for joining us. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.